Hello and welcome to a Thursday evening episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at L-O underscore Penguins. And for those um, uh, for those that missed it, um, there I was on the Locked on Wilds episode that came out today. Please go check that out. We got, uh, Locked on Wild on Twitter uh, where I talked about the Jason Zucker trade, how Kalen Addison and Alex Galchenyuk will fit into the Wilds plans. Um, really great to get on uh, with those guys at Locked on Wild. Uh, just they do a tremendous job, as does everyone who hosts uh, for the NHL team across the network. But it's a lot of fun to do it, so please go check it out. Hear what I have to say about the trade and all that. Just wanted to shout that out in the opening um, couple uh, seconds of the podcast. Uh, before we get into uh, today's Penguins talk, I wanted to spend this segment talking about some um, Yarmir Yager stuff. So Rob Rossi of The Athletic wrote an outstanding, and I mean a very outstanding piece on Yarmir Yager of The Athletic uh, this morning. It was a feature piece about basically Phil Bork's trip to um, the Czech Republic to watch Yager play as he's, of course, playing in the league over there. He hasn't been in the NHL in a couple seasons now. And he's, if you believe it or not, he's 48 years old. I cannot believe Yarmir Yager is 48 years old. Um, sounds like um, he's going to keep playing until he's 50. But um, the most of the, the, basically his trip was trying to convince Yager to you know come back um, have his jersey retired someday because apparently in the article I'm not going to spoil it at all but you know it sounds like Mario Lemieux the owner you know Tom McMillan who's I think the vice president of communications for the team they're really trying to get him to come back at some point to retire the jersey and you know what it's long overdue um, it's this has been very long overdue for a long time now Yarmir Yager if you were had to have a Mount Rushmore of players for the top four uh, he's easily in there you know it's it's four players it's Crosby. Malkin, it's uh, it's of course it's Mario and it's Yager, and you know those those are the four guys easily on the Mount Rushmore, and uh, you know the Penguins are probably not here today if it wasn't for the magic of Yarmir Yager in the 1999 series against the Devils. Um, of course, I was only a baby at that point. I was two years old, believe it or not. For those that listen to this podcast, I'm 22 years old, so I did not get to see. Uh, Yager in his prime, obviously, uh, in a Penguin uniform, and I'm still sad that I wish I was born a little bit beforehand so I could have watched him as, in my toddler years, but um, I remember when I was getting into hockey, and I, this was around 2002-2003, so kindergarten, first grade, this was after I moved out of uh, Philadelphia where I was born. Yes, I was born in Philadelphia. Thank God I'm not a Flyers fan, and uh, my mom... I think she put this in front of me. I remember that was like one of the first memories of hockey that I have. She put this in front of me and she said, Hunter, watch this play. And this was before YouTube was on. I think that she put it on a computer. She's found a video of it. And it was Yager's game six, the, both the tying goal and the game winning goal. And then the game seven against the Devils. And right for them, I was hooked. You know, I, I remember I would watch sometimes the Rico Fada years in 2003. That's just when I became really, really hooked with hockey and especially the Penguins. And, she just she told me all the stories about what she was doing when she was watching in the '99 series because my mom basically you know she knew that there was a chance that the Penguins if they lost that series they may not like I said they may not be here today they were facing a lot of financial trouble when I was eventually old enough I got to look up into it where I looked it up it was bad some bad uh, financial troubles and you know we can trace that back to um, I think it was the owner at the time. Um, Howard Baldwin. I someone apparently tweeted about the booze should be for Howard Baldwin today. If uh, Yarmir Yarger, if, if someone would ever get booed at the ceremony, and yes, I would agree. I forgot. I totally forgot about how um, Harold Bald, uh, Baldwin. 
Howard Baldwin. God damn, I'm like screwing up his name for whatever reason. Yes, Howard Baldwin. Those, if anyone wants to boo someone at the Yarger ceremony, which will come down the line, boo him. But for, I will send a message though to Penguin fans for this ceremony. Um, I really would like, um, uh, I'm, I'm trying my hardest not to sound like a complete ass here, but there's no place for booing Yarmir Yarger still. You know, I know what happened with the Flyers and, oh, well, yeah, you know, you know, he spurned the Penguins to go to the Flyers. He got a little more money out of it. He needed the power play time, yada, yada, yada. You know, was I a little, little bit upset at the time? Yeah, but you know what? I got over it, and so should you. Yarmir Yarger is one of the best Penguins to ever play. He's a top five, top ten NHL player of all time, and his moment deserves to come very soon. It's probably going to be after he retires, I think. Phil Bork was trying to convince him to do it within a year if he retires. And this quote uh, really, really struck out to me from the piece. I'm not going to uh, spoil the whole piece. But he basically said, I said, he said, Yogs, the Penguins want it. The fans want it. Mario wants it. That's a special night everyone wants for you. They're not going to boo. They're going to cheer. Maybe louder, longer than they ever have in our building. And it's going to be awesome. And when I saw that, you know, it looked like, you know, when Yogers, when he heard that, it looks like his face appeared to melt. It looked like, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, that almost made me tear up a little bit because he was just so important to this team. So much, he did so much for this team. He loves the city. And I know he loves the fans too. But you know what? It's time to let bygones be bygones. Just get out with the anti Yager stuff. I know he did something with the Flyers. It's whatever at this point. Just. Bring him home for one day, for one night. Sign him to a one-day contract. Let him retire a Penguin. Give him a massive video celebration of a lot of his highlights. Bring him to tears. Give him a hell of an ovation. I know that that ovation is going to be big. I know all these little fake people on Twitter like to be like, "Oh yeah, man, I hate Yarmir Yager. Well, he did." Blah 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 blah. It's like I know you wouldn't boo at that ceremony. I just I know you would not have the balls to boo Yarmir freaking Yager at his ceremony, but. Um, I really, really hope that comes. Um, I just, I'm going to, hopefully I would try to get tickets to go to that, but, um, you just, the, the Penguins, like I said, the Penguins would not be where they are today without Yarmir Yager. And, um, I know the organization of course was a little shaken up at the time when Yager did that to spurn the Flyers. I know they were not on good terms, but you know, time heals all wounds in the past couple years before he left to go overseas. Penguins are doing some stuff to honor him. I think they gave him something from the old Civic Arena. I think they honored him with a video tribute uh, for some sort of big game that I think he had. Crowd gave him a salute. And, you know, just to see him on the ice with Mario again, just with the celebration, that would that would be awesome. I was actually daydreaming today about uh, Yager maybe, like, surprising uh, Pittsburgh and coming back for a playoff game uh, during the spring, just uh, when his like season's over and maybe just sitting up in the box with Mario and them just having a beer and just watching the game together. Cause I feel like that would be um, awesome. But yeah, his, his Jersey is going to be in the rafters. His number will be retired. And you know, this is, like I said, this is long overdue. You know, some of these anti auger people need to get over it because you know, when, when that day comes and it's going to come in the next couple years, that is going to be a raucous standing ovation, and I, I can't wait for it to happen. Um, I probably say that people are going to be crying at that ceremony considering everything he did for the franchise. I'm sure he will be in tears with the video tribute and for what he has to say to the Penguins and their fans. You know, he had most, you know, his best success, of course, came with the Penguins, even though he played for so many teams that I'm not going to name them. 
um, right now on the podcast. He even had the traveling Yagers um, during the later report, reports, portions, portions, geez, I can't speak today, of his NHL career. So, um, yeah, I just want to get that out of the way. Please, if you haven't read that article on Phil, Bor- Phil Bork going to see Yarmir Yager for the first time in a while by Rob Rossi, please go read it. It is worth your time. It gives you about a 10, maybe 10 minute read. Um, it's just, it's really, really well written. Rob does those feature pieces really, really well. And um, I just, I can't wait for the day that uh, Yager retires a penguin because um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to get really get, getting a little emotional right now. I'm going to be really, really emotional when that day comes because he's just, he's one of a kind, man. And um, Pittsburgh needs to recognize that. The people, like I said, that are anti-Yager, you got to get over it because a lot of people in this city that are Penguins fans absolutely adore Yager, Yager and um I just can't wait uh, just to see all the faces in the crowd and just to see his face when uh, he gets honored and when that jersey goes up. It's going to be, I think, in the next few years um, when he finally finishes playing. All right, so back to regularly scheduled um, Penguins content. You know, I just really wanted to get that off my chest. I apologize if I started and all that. I just had to get my thoughts together about Yarmir Yarger because he really has um, impacted me as a Penguins fan, me growing up as a Penguins fan, my mom, my family. And um, just a lot of people that I know were all obviously big Yarmir Yager fans. And, of course, so I um, just want to get that off my chest. But Penguins returned to practice today. Um, and good news, some little bit of good news is that uh, uh, Dominic Cahoon uh, returned to practice. Uh, no contact jersey, but with that concussion, that's still really, really good news. His next step is obviously to get full contact, and he can come back to play. He spoke to the media today, basically said, yeah, you know, I'm getting close. You know, I still got to get cleared for contact, but I'm getting really close to being able to play. That's really good news as he's been out, I think, for almost a full month now. Yeah, you can just – you never know with concussions. You know, sometimes it's like um, the the, la- the latest Sidney Crosby one, which I think was in the 2017 run, where he missed one one game. And he literally only had a concussion for less than a week. And, you know, so other times it can go for Cindy, one of the, the other Sidney Crosby concussion, which went for over a year. And now, you know, it can vary – now to a month with Dominic Cahoon. So you just, you never know. But it's going to be good to get Cahoon back. You know, he was on a really big tear um, before, unfortunately, coming out of the lineup. He uh, he just, he makes the team a lot better. I, they definitely miss him with his speed, his tenacity, his forecheck, um, his goal-scoring ability on the Malkin line with Rost. Um, that line was just really working it before he went out. But so it's going to be really, really good to get him back. Obviously, he probably won't play tomorrow against the Montreal Canadiens, but um, if maybe all goes well after that, maybe he gets a full practice in on Saturday with contact, maybe a morning skate on Sunday, maybe he's good to go on Sunday afternoon against the Detroit Red Wings, which is on Hockey Day in America. So, you know, but it looks like in the next maybe couple games, maybe next week, if it, if not on Sunday, maybe next week probably when he'll come back. So that'll be good news to get um, Cahoon back. Um, nothing really else to come out of practice. Um, I, like, I loved how the Penguins had their uh, – Annual Night of Assists, uh, promoted by the Penguins Foundation. They've been doing that for, I think, as long as I can remember. Uh, it's been a while now. And I think the Penns Foundation does like a different theme, I think, every season. And uh, it's always, of course, you always see the Chris Letang selfie, which circles through Twitter. Then the Penguins Twitter account is promoting it. Uh, they always look a riot on the team uh, social media. You know, Chris Letang was wearing the glasses last night, you know was smiling. It was like his evil little smile. Brian Doolin looks like he was posing for a mug shot. Um, looks like, you know, I saw a funny tweet today, you know, get you, Jason Zucker gets traded to a team and in three days he's wearing seventies clothes for the night of assists. So I thought that was, uh, really, really funny, but still, I like how the Penguins organization does that. You know, I think it all goes to charity, uh, which is just outstanding. Um, the Penguins foundation, there's a lot of really, really good things in the Pittsburgh area and, um, all that. And I always like to see the, um, what happens with the night of assists. 
But um, anyways, of course, the Penguins will be back in action tomorrow against the Montreal Canadiens. We'll just preview the game here a little bit. Um, yeah, the Canadians are kind of free-falling right now. They just lost Shea Weber for the next four to six weeks. Uh, Nick Kiprios, uh, I don't know who gave him the info that he got, but he said his season it was in doubt, and then he said his career might have been in doubt, but then Montreal just comes out like an hour later, an hour and a half later, and says, oh, no, he's just out for four to six weeks. And, you know, I kind of feel like, yeah, Nick Kiprios, poor him, because uh, people had people were talking about a potential cap penalty for the Nashville Predators if Shea Weber were to eventually retire. Um, if that was the case, because, you know, you, sometimes you fear the worst, hope for the best. And um, I did see this somewhere. I think my friend Nick sent me this. Um, he writes he writes about stuff on the Rangers um, um, for Twitter. He's a really great follow. But um, apparently uh, Nashville could have faced, if he retires early, he could they could face a $24 million cap um, penalty because that contract was signed in the last CBA and it was like this massive, of course, that massive deal that the Flyers offer she did Weber to and then which of course uh, screwed up the Predators salary cap and then it went, or obviously they traded him but still they're not out of it just yet so they better hope that Weber can play out that contract or else they're going to be in some serious crap with their cap. That was my friend that someone on Twitter yesterday was saying that could end their franchise. Well, I wouldn't say it would go that far but it would do a pretty significant damage uh, to their salary cap situation. But I believe they also just got back Jonathan Drouin. He's always been underrated for his career. They still have Max Domi, uh, Brendan Gallagher. The Gall Gallagher, Gallagher got a cross-check the other night by Zendano Chara, who I still can't believe that was on a suspen uh, suspension uh, for Chara. That was kind of weird that they did not suspend him for that. But um, whatever, the NHL D... Uh, you know, the Department of Player Safety or lack thereof does tends to do their own things. There was just a play tonight actually by Zach Cassian basically kicking someone with his skate to the chest in the Tampa game again in the Tampa Edmonton game. So he should probably get ten to fifteen games for that. I think that's a that's a garbage play. Um I don't really know what else to say about that. That's a shitty play. You can't do that. Um, I guess I'll just get my thoughts on that. You know, I don't care if no damage was done. I don't care if there was a cut. You know, I don't care if there's a little bit of padding there. That's something you don't do, you know. Um, I saw it was circulating on Twitter after the incident that that you know the uh, the, Chris, the Chris Simon uh, situation. Well, that was that was I think a decade ago. Chris Simon basically stepped on Yarko Ruti's skate ankle. I think he got what thirty games for that incident, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I, I'd go at least ten to fifteen for that. But you know, with George Paros, you know he's probably only going to be like, oh, it's a slap on the wrist, fine, or he'll give him like two games because the Department of Player Safety is a absolute joke. But um, anyways, with uh, Montreal, I would assume that I think Carey Price would get the start tomorrow. Um, standing wise, right now they are out of the playoff picture. So, but still, I'm not really sure what uh, Mark Bergevin is going to do at the deadline. He has some options though. I feel like if someone were to try to trade for someone like Max Domi, who apparently the Penguins have kicked the tires on, but he was said to be unavailable, I think they would want a big haul for him. Jonathan Duran, Brendan Gallagher. I don't really think they're going to trade any of those pieces. I think they maybe may look to trade some of the outer pieces. I could definitely see a trade involving Ilya Kovalchuk because he's basically had a renaissance since ever coming to Montreal from Los Angeles. I still don't understand why he signed that contract with the Kings. Um, that was just absolutely pathetic on his part, I think. But, um, yeah, I think he's definitely the biggest traded last bit. I've seen reports on Jeff Petrie. He's been really, really good for a long time. I remember with the day that they traded for him, I think it was about, I'm trying to remember the exact date that they, uh, year that they traded for him off the top of my head. I believe it was like 2014 or something like that. It's back when I was in high school, I believe. And he's been there uh, basically ever since. But, yeah, I just, you know, this is a winnable game for the Penguins. These next two games are definitely winnable games. Uh, two more Atlantic teams before... 
Uh, you know, honestly, the Penguins just keep they're just playing the whole Atlantic Division. I think at this point they have Toronto twice next week, Buffalo, and then the Metro Heat turns up with Washington. And then they have the California road trip, and then March is just all Metro games basically. Um, yeah, like I said, the schedule has turned nasty for the Penguins, but these two games here are very, very winnable. They need to take advantage of that. They're still only at the time of this recording. They're three points behind the Washington Capitals. There's still plenty of time to potentially um, catch them for first place. I think they have the ability to. The Capitals played tonight against the Colorado Avalanche uh, in Denver. Last I checked, the Islanders were down 2 nothing to the Nashville Predators. I'm actually about to check that score right now. Oh, well, at least Buffalo just tied the game against Columbus, so 2-2. We're going to hope maybe that Buffalo can win that game in regulation. But yeah, the Predators are up 4 nothing right now with about halfway through the uh, second period. So yeah, the Predators are going to beat the Islanders. So that'll help the Penguins, because the Penguins win tomorrow in regulation or whatever kind of win will be four points up on the Islanders. Um, well, the Flyers are winning, so whatever. But um, yeah, I just wanted to update a little bit on the scores. So, you know, yeah, we're, we're scoreboard watching. You know, it's that time of year, you know, when you get into mid-February as the playoffs are two months away. That's exactly what you do at this time of year. You know, I'm not ashamed to admit that um, I do indeed do it myself as well. Figured I'd end this uh, today's episode with some uh, more trade talk. You know, I, I told I told y'all, man, we're all we're doing the trade talk until the deadline comes. Um, tomorrow's episode, uh, just speaking of now, I know we're um, talking about tomorrow's episode. I just said I'll talk about trade talk, you know what, whatever. I'll probably do that after the game against the uh, Canadians, uh, though I do have some uh, Valentine's Day festivities to attend with a certain someone that I've talked about on this podcast many times. Uh, she hosts the Locked on Capitals um, podcast. But um, to talk about some trade talk, um, sports and apparently had an interview with Jim Rutherford today and Jim Rutherford basically said, you know, if we go with the group that we have, I'm fine with that. I like this group. There might be a little bit of tinkering at the end, but I don't really see anything big like the Jason Zucker move. So what that means, you know, he might be going after a depth defenseman that we talked about on the other LSJ's episode, like I, you know, a Brendan Dillon, um, uh, Trevor Daly, if the cap was able to work, um, uh, Marco Scandella, you know, they have the opportunity, they have the flexibility where they can fit in another cap in with Al Jake's LTIR space. And um, I don't even think they have Bukestad on long-term IR. So um, I think, I don't even think that matters with um, Bukestad's uh, injury as well. So yeah, I think, I think that's fine. You know, that, they'll look at that. I've also read from Josh Shilley that they may be looking at a depth forward for the bottom six. Um, there's plenty of names out there. I could probably uh, list them for days, but I'm not, I don't need to go on a website. You guys probably could figure some out. For yourselves, um, though, do I see him getting a depth forward? Uh, I just, I'm not really sure, but because like when the team is healthy, and of course that's a big if. I don't really see the other, another need for I think a depth forward because I think this team is really, really deep with Dominic Cahoon coming back. That's going to force Agazino out of the lineup, and then of course with Bukestad coming back, that'll force I think Lafferty out of the lineup, and then that lineup is going to look really, uh, really, really good. So I don't really know if there's a um, if there's room. Um, for another forward in the lineup, though, for a defenseman there could be. But Jim Rutherford did say to that today, though, that yeah, he's kind of gonna, he's kind of these decisions are gonna be made within 48 hours of the deadline. So look for that. Uh, not this coming Saturday, of course. The deadline is not next week, but the week after. So next Saturday um, is when it sounds like he's gonna be finalizing his deadline plans and everything and getting all that in working order. So um, yeah, don't expect a Penguins trade. Um, until probably next weekend of some kind. Because I think I also think they want updates on John Reno and Brian Dumoulin. Not really sure when Brian Dumoulin's going to return at this point. Hopefully there hasn't been a setback. John Marino, um, that'll be, I think, two weeks up until his rehab for the deadline. So they're probably going to know, like, is he going to be on the short end of recovery since they did say three to six weeks, or is it going to be on the long term where he's going to need another potential, like, three to four more weeks. So 
Uh, we'll see. We'll see what the injuries, uh, what that situation is. I thought that was um, very, very interesting that came out today. I don't really think there was anything else that came out of trade talk today. Well, some people were talking about on the Athletic or one of the Rangers beat reporters said, you know, the Islanders, Penguins, and Bruins are among the lists of most likely trade destinations for Rangers forward Chris Kreider. But then I think people failed to read the article because he basically said, um, you know, I can only imagine Kreider playing with Sidney Crosby given now he's turned to average players into good players and good players into terrific players. Alas, that won't happen now because, of course, they just traded for Jason Zucker. Um, I really don't see them trading for Chris Kreider. Uh, you know, crazier things have happened. I would be uh, pretty hyped if they did. But um, I just, I really don't see that happening at this point because um, I just don't think they have the tradable assets to get him. And he's also a rental. Jim Rutherford isn't really... Um, want to give up even more assets for a rental. I feel like he's going to go to somewhere like, you know, where they mentioned uh, Boston is definitely a big one. Um, uh, well, I, I, the, I don't really think the Islanders – well, I don't think the Islanders and the Rangers are going to make the trade, you know. I, I think uh, if they're going to have uh, a better probability of, I don't know, being the president of this country someday than seeing the Islanders and Rangers make a trade. Those two franchises despise each other. Um, the same for Penguins Flyers. I don't think they would ever, ever make a trade. You know, you guys remember uh, a couple years ago with, with the Mark Strike trade, the Flyers dealt him to Tampa, who dealt him to Pittsburgh because Ron Hextall didn't want to trade with the Penguins directly. That just goes to show the uh, animosity uh, between the two franchises. And I think that would be the same um, with the Rangers and the um, Islanders. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening to today's uh, Locked On Penguins episode. Like I said, we'll have another episode coming tomorrow where we recap the game against Montreal. See how the team does. I think they should be able to stop them, even though Montreal does have some high-end talent in Drouin, Gallagher, Domi. Um, you know, even without the Shea Weber injury, they still have Petrie. Carey Price is still a force in net sometimes. Though they're out of the playoff picture, but like I said, the Penguins uh, should be able to win this game. And then, of course, um, after that tomorrow's episode, we'll have, we'll be back on Monday recapping the game against the Red Wings. I don't know if I'll be able to watch that whole game as I'll be driving back from home um, after uh, coming home for the weekend for Valentine's Day and all that. But um, we'll still have another episode coming on Monday. And um, all throughout the rest of the season, and we'll just we're just gonna keep going. I appreciate all of you tuning into this podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. I can't believe I've done over sixty episodes of these already. It's kind of hard to believe that this flies by. I have a lot of fun bringing you guys Penguins content. Um, I hope I don't bore you guys to death. I hope I can bring at least a little bit of fun into it. We're gonna have some more guests on at some point. But like I said, you know, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Locked On Penguins. Uh, keep it right here. Keep subscribing, uh, giving reviews, and all that. And we'll have another episode coming tomorrow. All right. Take care, everyone.